musicians. This morning we're talking about a passion for the presence of God. In the busyness of life, it is so easy to miss God. In the busyness of life, it is so easy to rush, rush and rush, and completely forget God, completely miss His presence. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? This morning, I want to talk about a passion for God's presence. I want to talk about what it means to enjoy God moment by moment. How many know that you can enjoy God moment by moment? Some people think, i got to go to church on Sunday so I can experience God. No, you're wrong. You come to church on Sunday to enjoy the presence of God's people and worship together. But God wants to be with you and wants you to experience him moment by moment, day by day. This is God's will for your life. This is what God wants you to experience. And so this morning, I'm talking about a passion for God's presence. And just in case we forget what the word passion means, let's look at the definition this morning. Can we do that? And I'd like you to read it with me. Let's read it. Ready? Devotion. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, my goodness. Can I just tell you what you sound like? Devotion, fervor, excitement. Come on, let's let's say the definition like we mean it. Ready? Here we go. And let's uh, let's uh, let's really um, let's impress the pastor today. Ready? Here we go. Ready? Devotion. Fervor. You can use your hands. Use your hands. Enthusiasm. Zeal. What planet are y'all on? Uh, Devotion. Excitement. Enthusiasm. That's... That, my friends, is what God wants you to know on a daily basis. He wants you to experience that, that enthusiasm for His presence. Though I think the closest thing I can think of that resembles that would be a couple in love. We make couples in love here. There's a husband and wife sitting side by side and no one's putting their hand up. Boy, we need some marriage counseling. Forget this sermon. We're starting fresh here. Uh, <laughs> uh, listen, I, I just got to tell you something. You, you know the way God chooses to describe his relationship to us? He chooses to describe his relationship with to us using the analogy of a husband and wife in love. A man and woman in love. Now listen to me. That's the kind of passion that we're supposed to be experiencing with God. An excitement, a zeal, an enthusiasm. There's nothing and no one else we'd rather be with than God. And listen to me. There's only one way. Ready? Only one way 
that you can be passionate about, passionate about your walk with God. We touched on it last week. And that is by living by faith. They were, Pastor, what does that mean to live by faith? Well, living by faith very simply means this. It means that you just, you, you do what God tells you to do. You just do what God tells you to do. And the first example of this we find in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve were given instructions. Not a lot of instructions. Just just basically very simple instructions. And and here's what it is. Don't eat what? The... What what was it? What kind of fruit? No, it wasn't. It's not in the Bible. I tricked you all. Make sure you're staying awake here. It's fruit. We don't know what kind of fruit it is. God says, don't eat the fruit from the tree of the what? Of the knowledge of good and evil. Can listen to me. God says, don't eat. Satan comes along in the form of a snake and says what? Eat. Who are you going to listen to? Listen to me. Adam and Eve chose to listen to the devil. In the moment that they chose not to live by faith, the moment they chose not to believe God, the moment they chose not to trust God, was a moment that their relationship with God was broken. And whereas before the Bible says that, that Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden, enjoyed this passionate relationship, it was a wonderful experience, suddenly it's all broken down, it's all broken off, and no more, no more relationship with Almighty God. Because... Adam and Eve chose not to live by faith. They chose not to obey. I'm going to tell you something this morning. The way that you're going to have a passionate, rich, exciting, enthusiastic relationship with God is if you do what he says. You've got to enter into relationship with him. You've got to live by faith. And the way that you are going to have a relationship with God, friends, very simply, is by reading your Bible and praying. We talked, touched on it last week. We said that reading your Bible is God's way to do what? To speak to us. And when we pray, it's God's way for us to speak to him. Now, I've been a pastor for 25 years. I know you can't believe that because I don't look more than 25 years old, but it's true. I've been pastor for 25 years. I've been a Christian since I was age eight. So I've been a Christian for a long time. I've been to Bible school. I've been in the ministry. And... Uh, do you know that I still sometimes don't feel like reading my Bible? Anybody like that here today? Anybody that would, would say, yeah, I can relate? And the rest of you who didn't put your hand up, I'd like you to take over the sermon here. Come on. The fact of the matter is, is that all of us don't always feel like praying. We don't always feel like reading our Bible. But here's the thing, my friends. We do that by faith, believing that when I pray, God is going to hear my prayer. And answer me. That when I read my Bible, God will speak to me. I do that by faith, believing that God will respond. And I know that because it's what the Bible says. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he, re- listen, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So listen, my friends, every time that you choose to obey God, every time that you decide, I am going to, by faith, pick up my Bible and read it regardless whether I feel like it or not, God will reward that. Isn't that exciting? 
You can experience God speaking to you any time of the day. All you have to do is pick up your Bible in faith and read it believing that God will speak to you, and he will. That's that's thrilling. And not only that, but you can pray at any time of the day believing that God will reward you by answering your prayer. Now, I'm going to tell you something this morning. It's God's will for us to have a rich relationship with him. And in case you didn't know it, from Genesis to Revelation, that is what this book is about. It's about God. It's a love story. It's what it is. It's a love story. It's all about how God enters into relationship with mankind, sinful mankind. It's about how God takes the initiative and reconciles himself to us. It's an amazing story. From Genesis, if you want to know what the Bible is about, it's not a history book, although there is history in it. It's not a, it's not a science textbook, although there's science in it. It's not an archaeology text, although archaeologists use this as their textbook. This is a book, it's just a, this is a love story about how God reaches out to us in love. And reestablishes a relationship with us. And if you don't understand that, then you don't understand what the Bible is about. It's just, a, it's just a bunch of stories. This book is all about how God loves us so much. It reveals his plan of how he's going to send his son and reestablish a relationship to us. Now, some of you have been to church for years, and you didn't know that the reason Jesus came and died on the cross for your sins is so that our relationship to God would be restored. So that what Adam and Eve had in the garden, you and I can have. That's why Jesus went to the cross. And if you've asked Christ into your heart, then you have been reconnected to the Father. You say, well, how come I can't just be reconnected to the Father without Jesus? I'll tell you why. Because God is holy and we are sinful. And no sinful man can go into the presence of a holy God. And so Jesus, God says, how can I, how can I have intimacy with them again? How can I have relationship with them? And there's only one way. He says, I will send my Son who is perfect. And all who believe in him, and all who believe that he died on the cross for their sins, they will be washed clean, and they will be able to enter into relationship once again. Folks, that is what the gospel is all about. That's what the Bible is all about. All about how God can have relationship with us. So the question this morning is this. What has your relationship with God been lately? When's the last time he talked to you? When's the last time you talked to him? When's the last time you sensed the awesome sense of... God's near me. He's present. God wants his people to enjoy and experience his presence. What is his presence? What is presence? What does it mean? Why is that so important? Friday night I was sitting there watching Ratatouille. Anybody seen the movie Ratatouille? It's a delightful movie, isn't it? Ratatouille. We went out for supper last night, and Sarah wanted to order ratatouille. <laughs> so she ordered ratatouille. I don't know if she liked it very much, but it sounded cool. She's, we're, she, she, we're watching ratatouille, the, the, and she comes just out of the blue, just comes and crawls up onto my lap and just wants to sit there. And I said, did you want something, honey? No. What did you want? I just, just want to be with you. just want to be near to you. She put a little head near my chest. And suddenly I didn't care about Ratatouille. I was just enjoying my little sweetie who was enjoying the presence of her dad. 
I want you to know something today. God has designed us for relationship. It's what he wants to have with us. We can't really quantify it. We can't really describe it. All we know is that when we've got it, it sure feels good. We want that presence. And when we have that presence, we don't feel alone. We don't feel disconnected. We were created for relationship. The Bible says that the reason God created Eve was because it's not good for what? For man to be alone. Now, some people think that women can be alone, but men can't. Because women are stronger and better than men. And all the women said, My friends, I'm sorry to disappoint you women. But if you look at the scriptures written in the Hebrew, you discover that the term, when it says it's not good for man to be alone, it actually means mankind, humans. It's not good for humans to be alone. It's not good for us to be alone. God knows that because that's what he created us. He created us for what? For relationship. And first and foremost, he created us for relationship with him. Now, here's the thing. Many of us have come to Christ. Many of us have become Christians. Many of us remember the joy, the excitement, the zeal, the enthusiasm when we first became Christians. How many, how many remember that day? Oh, that was cool. Uh, many of you have had experiences through your life when God showed up and you just had a, an awesome experience with him. How many have had that happen to them? I want you to know God wants you to have this moment by moment every day. He wants you to enjoy his presence, not once in a while, not just on Sunday, but all the time. It's his will that we enjoy his presence. My grandmother had a dog, Laddie. You've heard me say this. Some of you have heard me tell you this before. And the dog never ate because it was just the dog and grandma. But whenever, whenever our family showed up, whenever we kids would show up on the scene, Laddie would go and get his great big bowl of porridge, drag it to where we were sitting and drop it right at our feet, lie down there and begin to eat. What was, what was happening there? He was enjoying the presence. Because that's the way we're created. God created us to enjoy the presence. We don't want to be alone. So God says to Moses, Moses, I want you to go and set my people free because I want them to come and worship me. Has anybody seen the Ten Commandments? Anybody seen that movie, The Ten Commandments? How many know that Charlton Heston is really not Moses? Everybody knows that? Charlton Heston really is not Moses. But God says to Charlton Heston or Moses, <laughs> Moses, go and set my people free. So what? So that they can worship me. And so Moses says, are you sure, God? And, and God, how do if I enter into the presence of who am I? Enter the presence of Pharaoh, he'll kill me. And God says, what? He says, Moses, don't worry because what? Because my presence will go with you. How many know when you got the presence of God, you've got everything you need? You don't need anything else. So suddenly Moses, by faith, believes God that God's going to go with him. And so he goes into the very presence of the king of Egypt. And he says, Pharaoh, you got to let my people go. And Pharaoh says, ha, who do you think you are? These are my slaves. These are my slaves. I'm not letting them go. They're, they're building my pyramids for me. You think I'm going to let you? Moses says, you got to let my people go. Because God wants, God wants to enter into intimacy, into a deep relationship with, with his people.
And you know the story, ten, the ten plagues come and finally Pharaoh says, okay, get out of it, get out of here, just go. So Moses gathers up his people and they head off in the direction of the, of the Red Sea. And suddenly Pharaoh's, Pharaoh comes to his senses and says, hey, what am I doing? I've lost all my slaves. Calls the general of the army, go get them and bring them back. And if they don't come back, kill them. And the children of Israel are saying to, to Moses, what have you done to us? You brought us out to the desert to kill us? What do you? Th-? And suddenly God shows up. And it says in Exodus chapter 13, verse 21, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could go by day and night. And the armies of Pharaoh finally catch up to the children of Israel. And they can't get close. Do you want to know why? Because of the presence. This mighty, mighty column of fire stands before God's people and the enemy. And I want the Spirit of God to speak to your heart this morning. Because when the Spirit of God is with you, when God's presence is with you, you have nothing to fear, nothing to worry about. No harm can come to you when you have the presence of God. And so here they are between the rock and a hard place, literally the Red Sea and the armies of Pharaoh. And there's God standing firm in the middle of the ball. And God leads them by his presence. Some of you here today, you've been going through a difficult time. You've been going through a struggle. And some of you, maybe even this week, you've said to yourself, where is God? Anybody ever asked that question? Honestly, where's God? What's he doing to me? How could he allow this? And God's saying, I've, I'm still here because I made you a promise to never leave you nor forsake you. You're going through difficult times. God's there. Promising never to leave you nor forsake you. Now, here's the thing. God calls us to enjoy his presence. God calls us to, to know him moment by moment. How do we do that? How do, we, how do we enjoy God's presence moment by moment? Is there anybody here that experiences God's presence moment by moment? He's always there? Well, I'm going to tell you how you're going to do this. Actually, I'm not going to tell you. The Apostle Paul is going to tell us in his letter to the, to the Thessalonians. This is what he says in, this, in, a closing, in a closing passage. Read it with me. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you just to stop and look at this for a moment. Uh, here's the here's second shortest verse in the Bible. Be joyful always. That's, that's 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Everybody say it with me. Be joyful always. Now, close your eyes and say it. Be you did it. You memorized the verse. Excellent. First, first Thessalonians chapter five, verse 16. Now you're going to memorize the shortest verse in the Bible. Are you ready? It's first Thessalonians five, verse 17. There's first, let's say that first Thessalonians. Ready? Say it. First Thessalonians five, 17. Are you ready? Here it goes. Pray continually. Anybody want to try that? Okay. Close your eyes and say it. Pray continually. This is, listen, You've got to get this. This is, this is something that you're going to do on a regular basis. You're going to pray continually. And then the third, part, third verse, verse 18, 
and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of will for you, in, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I want to t- just quickly, in the moments left to me, just quickly look at this verse. Uh, verse one: Joyful always. The uh, I like I like the way the message um, Bible renders it. It says, "Be cheerful no matter what." Be cheerful no matter what. Do you understand that when you're not cheerful, when you're not joyful, when you're cranky, when you're miserable, do you understand that this is really a slap in the face to God? Because when you're not cheerful, when you're not joyful, what you're saying is God is not there for me. That God is not, is not following through for me. You're saying God has left me. God doesn't care about me. But when you're joyful, you know what you're saying? You're saying, God is with me always. I was reading about a man who was thinking of either becoming a, a, a lawyer or becoming a preacher. And he decided after watching his preacher, who never seemed to be joyful, that he'd become a judge or a lawyer instead and actually became a judge. I wonder how many people hear us say, I'm a Christian. They look at our lives And they don't see any joy in us. They don't see any happiness in us. And they think, he goes on and on about being a Christian. But what's what's the use? What's the point? Is God really with him? Is God really with her? Does it it really pay to be a Christian? The apostle Paul tells the Thessalonians, you need to be joyful at all times, no matter what the circumstances. There's got to be a smile on your face. Now, how many know that too often we as Christians look like we've been baptized not in water but in lemon juice or in vinegar? Do you walk around with a smile on your face or with a frown? And when you're driving your car, do people see you joyful or do they see you as, well, as a little demon behind the wheel? How do they see Listen to me, folks. When you've got the presence of God, there's joy in your face. You show me somebody who's not joyful, and I'm going to show you somebody who's forgotten that God lives, that God exists. You show me someone with a frown on on their face, I'm going to show you somebody who's forgotten how much God loves them. You show me somebody who's not, not joyful, somebody who's cranky, and I'm going to show you somebody who doesn't know anything about the presence of God. Paul says, be joyful always, all the time. Isn't it funny how we, we, we laugh at and mock people who are cheerful? No, we, we do, don't we? Isn't that true? She, she is so cheerful. What's the matter with her? All right. She's, she's just, there's something wrong with her because she's happy all the time. There's something wrong with her. He's far too perky and cheerful. What's the matter with him? Yeah, my friends, this is exactly what we're supposed to be as Christians. Because it's evidence, listen to me, it's evidence that Jesus has washed away our sins. It's evidence that God's got a hold of our life. How many have got Jesus in their heart today? How many know the work and the power of God in your life? Then why are you frowning at me right now? (laughs) Why aren't you smiling at me? Why isn't there joy in your heart? Joy is the evidence of God at work. The second thing I want to point out to you quickly Paul says this, you've got to be praying continually. That word continually, there's, there is no um, 
there's no really good English word for that work, that word in the Greek. But that word uh, continually, it's praying continually. The, the Greek word is really the best translation is unintermittingly. We don't have a word like that, but really what it means is this is, is you need to pray without gaps. There should be no gaps there. It should, there should be no, no intervals. I'm praying, then I talk, I talk to God, and then I don't talk to God. And then I talk to God, then I don't talk to God. No, Paul is saying, if, you're, if you've got the presence of God, then you're, you're constantly talking to God. And so I'm doing that all the time, driving along in the car, talking to God, and people around me are watching me, thinking I'm out of my mind. <laughs> but I don't care. I'm saying, God, give me grace to deal with that guy driving beside me. <laughs> Help me, Lord. Help uh, I me mean, not to, to, to do anything to destroy my testimony, especially since I'm a pastor. And i got a roof rack on my van, and everybody knows who I am and where I'm at. Oh, I, can't even, I can't even hide in my vehicle. You know, I was driving. I was, I was, in, a, I was in a superstore a little while back, and I got a phone call from someone saying, I saw the way you cut that guy off. I said, pardon me? I saw the way you cut that guy off. Man, you look pretty, pretty steen, Pastor. I said, well, actually, I'm um, shopping for, uh, for coffee crafts at a uh, superstore right now. Oh, yeah, sure, Pastor. Yeah, I saw the way you cut that guy off. People are watching you constantly. And you say you're a Christian. And you say God's made a difference in your life. But has he really? God's called you to have this relationship where you are constantly talking to each other. There's, there's a constant chatter going on between you and, and, and God. God's talking to you and you're talking to God. And you say, God, I don't know what to do here. And God just sort of whispers something to your heart. And you're like, God, that's a great idea. Thanks, Lord. And I think I'll do this. And what do you think about that, God. This is what God wants for you. A continual conversation going on. And you can bring anything to him. You can talk about anything. You say, Pastor, God is the one, is the creator of the universe, the heavens and the earth. He's keeping the planets in orbit. How on earth could he have time for me and my weenie little problems? And I want you to know that there's nothing that delights God more than coming near and helping you with your weenie little problems. God loves that. I had someone come and say to me, Pastor, I want you to know that uh, I, when I pray, I never pray for myself because that's self-centered. I always just pray for others, but I never pray for myself. And I think that this person was, had good intentions. I think. I don't know if he was trying to impress me about how spiritual and how unselfish he is, but he said, I never pray for myself. Well, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> it, it, that sounds spiritual, but it's not. It's God's will for you to pray for yourself. How many know that? It's God's will. He said, ask and you shall seek and you will knock and the door will be open. This is God's will because he's got a relationship with us. That's why Jesus comes along and tells us to pray to God the Father. It's unheard of before this time, but now suddenly we're supposed to address God as what? Not God, but as a father. Relationship. You can bring absolutely every single thing to God. See, everything, Pastor? Yeah, everything. You did seem to everything. But everything. But what about everything? Everything. Because God is your father and he loves you. Sarah says, Dad, 
can you help me with my paintbrush? One of the bristles is coming out. What do I say? Sir, do you know who I am? I'm Reverend Alan Duncalf, the pastor of Cross Church. Do you think I've got time to care? And I was like, oh, sure, sweetheart. What, can I do anything else for you? Can I help you paint that picture? And be, I, 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 want, I love it. And, and, and the Bible says if we, we, earthly fathers, we know how to give good gifts to our kids, how much more does our Father in heaven want to give good gifts to us? This, my friends, is a relationship that God wants with us. Continually praying. Constantly talking to God. So I'm, I'm roaming through the building here, chattering away, and I'm talking to God, and God's talking to me, and I'm talking to God, and we're just, I'm just, God, I got my car fixed, and this, this, and this. Constantly, continually. This is how God wants you to experience his presence. You see, in the Old Testament, my friends, God's presence was, con- presence was confined to an object called the Ark of the Covenant. And those of you who have seen Indiana Jones, you know that, you know that about the Ark of the Covenant. It's some kind of special power. I'm going to tell you what that special power is that the Nazis wanted so bad. It's the presence of God. The presence of God. And you don't need to have the Ark of the Covenant to have the presence of God. All you have to have is Jesus. All you have to do is ask Christ into your life. And his presence will go with you. But you've got to maintain it. You've got to keep talking to him. You've got to keep pouring out your heart to him. You've got to keep telling him about the things that are disturbing you and the things that are making you happy and the things that you need and the things that you don't need. And Talk to him. That's what he wants. The one other thing I want to tell you that we've got to do if we're going to enjoy the presence of Almighty God the Bible says we've got to give thanks in all circumstances. You see all? If you've got your Bible, you can just sort of underline that, circle it. But know that you've got to give God thanks in all circumstances. Why? You know, I'm going to tell you something right now. Some of you don't know this. <laughs> this, is, this is the mistake that we all make. We, we make the mistake that if when, when, when we perceive things to be good in our lives, that that must be God's blessing, God's will. And if we, don't, if we think it's not good, then therefore it can't be God's blessing. How many know, that, how many know today <laughs> that God doesn't always do things the way we want him to do it? And how many know today that it's better that God does it his way than our way? How, how many are thankful that God hasn't answered all your prayers? <laughs> I'm so God, glad that God hasn't answered all my prayers. I'm so glad God hasn't answered all my prayers. Corey Ten Boom was here. Well, not, 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 wasn't really her. It was an actress, if you didn't know that. But she was here a few weeks ago. And she told the story about how, and she touched on it. She didn't really tell the full story. She talked, talked about how she uh, and her sister Betsy were in a Nazi concentration camp. Because they were hiding Jews, so that these Jews wouldn't be wouldn't be captured and put to death. And her sister Betsy was a very godly, spiritual woman. And Betsy was one of these people who practiced the presence of God and was giving God thanks in all circumstances. And it made Corey angry. So Corey, Betsy, are you out of your mind? You can't give God thanks for everything. And Betsy says, "Oh yes, if you think." Long and hard about it, and if you pay attention, you will see God's hand in absolutely everything. 
everything. What, what, have you, what have you gone through? You've gone through some difficulty, some struggle, and you say, where on earth was God? I'm going to tell you, God was there. You just maybe don't understand it yet, but God was there. He was there. And Corey, angry at her sister, scratching herself, scratching, bites all over. She says, some of you are scratching yourself now. I noticed that. She says, Betsy, how can I give God thanks for this life? Betsy says, I don't know, but if we think about it long enough, I'm sure we'll begin to understand. One day, Betsy taps Corey on the shoulder and says, or it says, Corey, um, I know now why God has allowed lice into the barracks. I know why God has given us lice now. And Corey says, okay, my sister's finally lost it. She's finally flipped her lid. She's, uh, she's, She's ready for the cuckoo can, right? She's had it. She says, Corey, because God has allowed lice into our barracks. It means that we've been able to have Bible studies and prayer times because the Nazi guards will not come near us as long as we have lice. And at that moment, Corey said, the, it's a blindness left her eyes and she began to see things in a brand new way. She began to recognize that God really does have a plan. God really is in control. He really is in charge. And there she was in the barracks of that Nazi concentration camp and they were leading one person after another to Jesus because the Nazi guards wouldn't come near them because they had lice. Now, would anybody give thanks for that? Surely, somebody coming into eternity, somebody be born again is more important than being lice-free. What would you do to see your loved ones saved? What would you do to see your husband, your wife, your children come to Christ? Would you put up with a, with a dose of lice for, for a few months? I know I would. But this is, my, this is it, my friend. You have to understand that God is in control of your life. And you need to start giving God thanks. And you'll begin to see what God's doing. My time is up. I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads with me right now. God, we don't, we don't want to have a Christianity that's just a set of rules and just a liturgy and just religious steps that we follow. We, we, want, it, we want to know your presence with us moment by moment. And so, God, we ask that by your Spirit, you do a work in our hearts, that we would not insult you by, by being... unhappy and miserable, that we would be joyful always, giving you thanks. God, that we would be a people who are praying continually, constantly talking, constantly speaking to you, constantly pouring out our heart to you. That we would be a people who give thanks in all circumstances, for surely this is what it means to enjoy the presence of Almighty God. Father, thank you. Thank you for walking with us. Thank you for loving us. And as we go from this place, may we go as a people who acknowledge the presence of Almighty God, knowing that you have promised never to leave us nor forsake us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me, please, as we sing?
sings, my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. Come on. How great Thou art. How great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art. How great Thou art. Father, as we go from this place, we pray, Lord, that our our hearts would be turned to you and that we begin to acknowledge your presence moment by moment. And God, that we wouldn't be waiting just till Sunday, but every day, every moment, that you are near us and you love us and you care about us. Thank you, God, that your presence is not confined to the Ark of the Covenant, but that we have your presence within us in our own hearts. So God, we pray, make your face to shine upon each one, give peace until we meet again. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. See you tonight.